that haven't been encouraged to think for themselves. They haven't been encouraged to use their own perceptions to unlock the secrets beyond the matrix. You see. Everything is worked in such a way that you're contained within the matrix. And the matrix is the reality, all of the reality, even your relationships with people. It's everything. It's even your hopes and ambitions and dreams often because they're also authorized by the top as hobbies are as well. And that's the world that's been pulled over your eyes. We'll be back with more after the following messages. Alan Watt, and as always, cutting through the matrix, the matrix that encompasses every nationality, every country, and whole empires of countries, all squashed together in this big ball we call the planet Earth, and which is ruled by the same system throughout, and it's based on money, money, that's the key to it, a substitute for real wealth, because Real wealth used to be the land that you, that fed you, the land that you could sleep on, uh, the land that was all around you, it sustained you. And some joker came in a long, long time ago and gave us something called wealth. No doubt the psychopaths created it because they had to get a trick to get the people to accept this new type of wealth. So they stopped trading with each other and helping each other. And that way, uh, the psychopaths who controlled the, the money, which before it was coined, remember, was simply weighed out. And Sumer, we know that Sumer was weighing out mainly silver at that time and different kinds of ores in lieu of the coin money that came about 800 BC. Sumer was on the go about 5,000 to 6,000 BC. And that allowed a lighter class to be created and the lighter class became uh, the intelligentsia. You could employ intelligentsia, in fact, and live high off the hog by taxing people. And an old book called Life Began or Begins at Sumer, it goes into writings, tablets have been found in the Sumerian regions because they had classrooms of bureaucrats, young youngsters who had been brought up and trained to be bureaucrats for the system, they had schoolrooms for them. They found thousands of these tablets, and some of them were doodles, like children love to doodle. In those days, they do it on clay, and very nice, neat, neat writing, mind you. It's all wedge-type writing. And one of them was talking about how bored they were with school and what they liked to do when they got home, and all this kind of stuff. And his dad was a high hootspa in the, uh, the administration, and. Uh, Near that was another uh, one for a priesthood, because all the priesthoods were specialized in different areas of governing the people. Uh, they dealt with real estate, and they even had subdivisions, and, and, uh, and even wills, departments of wills for estates, etc. And they dealt with import and exports, because most of the wool in Sumer was taken eventually to India, a big player in those days. India will give us all a fright one day when it exposes its real histories, very old, old histories, the last place you'd look for them. 
would be the, would be the place that's seldom mentioned. And uh, at one of the priesthoods in Sumer, or one of the actual priests, I guess it's a bad day or too much wine or something, but he at least woke up for a few, a few minutes and, and chiseled down this little story, and he said, he said, looked around him from horizon to horizon, and all he could see was government buildings. He says, everything is taxation, everything is taxed. When the fishermen bring their fish in, they're taxed for it. When it's sold at the market, it's taxed. He says, when the people work, they're taxed. He said, when the, the relatives bury their, 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 their deceased and put offerings on the grave, income the government, taxation men, and collect them. That was death duties, 5,000-odd B.C. And what's changed, really, you see? Nothing. Money was the first, the first trick. And out of money comes an elite class that then dominates the rest through this trick. And it's all based on a, a psychopathic nature. Predators at the top are interbred. They have been for probably thousands of years because money marries money. And money, money at the top has never married for any of this pretty modern invention called love. Uh, it was promoted by Hollywood. Most folk got married in the past, even the lower classes, through necessity, because you needed a big family to help till the land and, and do all the work to sustain yourself. Everyone had to chip in. But the elite never married for, for even for those reasons. They married for, for wealth and intellect, the intellect of other ones who were cunning and rose to the top over the backs of the people. And they interbred money and power with the same psychopathic personalities because to get to the top in any era in this monetary system you had to be utterly ruthless utterly ruthless and that's still the culture today the Frankfurt School went into this in great detail because they were the middlemen uh, that were put out and authorized by Britain uh, to, to come over from Nazi Germany uh, just before the war started the Second World War, and some of those, those guys uh, formed a, a particular club to, to look into culture creation, and they were employed by the, Britain initially, and then eventually the CIA, so the intelligence services used them along with the big foundations, like the Ford and Carnegie and the Rockefeller Foundations, the big front organizations that really were powerful institutions that would always promote non-governmental organizations and pretend that they were speaking on behalf of the public, demanding that laws get passed, etc., guiding the public, the whole world really, along a certain path. But their, their job at the Frankfurt School when they came over was to go into how the American culture was created primarily because it was the most capitalistic culture. The, the, the culture revolved around capitalism and marketing. And even the songs that the children sang were all to do with little ads and jingles that they heard. And the big companies like McDonald's even had singing uh, classes at camps, summer camps, where they'd teach the children these jingle songs. And the parents thought that was all very, very nice as they got brainwashed into eating all this junk food. And I think this even still goes on today. Completely intermeshed with the culture and the last ones to realize it were this fairly recent generation who grew up through it. Because prior to that, the American culture was much like Europe. 
uh, maybe even worse in some cases, because um, they were based on factory towns. And the factory towns uh, were owned by uh, an owner who had a factor. The factor was a type of boss man, and your houses were owned by them, much like the mining towns all over Britain and different parts of Europe. And you rented your accommodation uh, from the same guy who paid your wages, and you went to the town uh, store that he owned as well, and you bought his stuff at his prices. And so all the money you earned went back into the into the, the factor's hands, who took his cut and gave the rest to his boss. But the most recent culture was the, the, the 20th century culture, where in one generation they forgot all that as he moved into the big cities and worked in factories, the big factories, the big auto factories, etc. And for the first time they had a few more bucks than it ever had before, how quickly we forget where it all came from and who our masters really are and still are, by the way. Now, I think we've got Chris from Canada there. Are you there, Chris? Hello? Hello, yes. Oh, hey. I have a very real sense of urgency for action, and I desire to change the fate I see ahead of me, but I don't seem to, to produce actions that are really productive for my own survival. I was wondering if you have a comment or an explanation for this. It depends uh, on your circumstances. Uh, I mean, it depends if you're if you're tied to where you are. It depends um, if you're even partly comfortable where you are. You'd be surprised how many people will never uproot themselves, even though they're living sometimes in a, a, a semi-misery. Lots of people are living in semi-miseries, and they're addicted to the familiar. Therefore, they won't move or do anything about it. So, it's your, just you. The only work you have to do is on yourself. You find out what you really want to do and uh, take it from there. And you take it on a priority list. Make out priorities. What is the most important thing right now? And make a descending uh, order from there and, and go with it. And it, it might be that you're just too... Um, certain things where you are will, will keep you tied down. Um, you have to break free from them if you really want to be free. You know? Yes. I think we're, we're taught the, that animals have a fight-or-flight mechanism, yeah. but I think that our, our modern conditioning has, like, has stripped us of this very uh, vital instinct for action. You're right. You're right. It's a parasympathetic nervous system that produces it, and it's well understood. And it was one of the, the main... Uh, it's an interesting topic that you brought up, because it's one of the main features that the CIA and the Pentagon and the, the myriad of laboratories and university experiments that they use across the, the planet were into back in the 50s and 60s. What they thought was uh, they understood uh, the fight and flight syndrome and they wondered if they could find electronic means to stimulate the, the physical changes that you find, the biophysical changes that you find when it happens. And, and by stimulating the changes, your, your heart starts racing, your blood vessels um, uh, uh, constrict you know, your pupils dilate all this kind of stuff you become breathless and ready to run if they could cause these particular individual things to happen then internally you would then feel fear so they were going to use the symptoms to produce the fear rather than the fear to, to produce the symptoms and they discussed using this with harp and so on and they also discussed other ways to circumvent it and that was to create a society where the, the people would be kept uh, as perpetual children and told and brainwashed into believing that, that they were being looked after and taken care of 
in, in a, a responsible society. And most people today truly are infantile, doesn't matter what age they are. They do believe that all of the masses of propaganda they've been given, that they've been well taken care of. You know, so you're right. Yeah. And uh, when one disengages themselves from the hive mind, it is like being bo born all over again. And, like familiar reference points are gone, and it's difficult to attain the ideal state of an independently thinking, autonomous human being, yep. especially when we've not been there before. I exactly. It's all new. Uh, it will mean isolation. Uh, hold on, and we'll go into this after the fallen break. Yes.
uh, will take all of the reality from the, the, the television and their favorite newscasters, and therefore um, anyone uh, talking about anything else would be alien to them. They'd only believe the media, and they've been trained now to believe them. They, in fact, what he said was uh, they'll think that the media is really there to do the reasoning for them and tell them everything that they should know. And then that's happened. And to speak these things, uh, it causes them to react to you as if it's an attack on their comfortable worldview. They don't want to see it. They don't want to think about it. They don't, because if they even take one uh, part of it, is that favorite newscaster that's paid millions, maybe, to, to grow up with them. They, they keep them till they're dropping, those guys, because you grew up with them. It's like Daddy there at 6 o'clock every night staring right at you, and Daddy would never lie to you. Now, the guy's actually an actor, and he's reading a dummy board. He doesn't even write the script. But to the average person, they think he is really reading, and he made up that news himself, and he's a man of integrity. That's why they keep putting ads out, even here in Canada, about the top newscasters, how much they have all this in integrity, etc. It's all propaganda. People's, people's minds are filled, full of information that is so irrelevant. They know every, you know, the new fashion and what some famous person wears for shoes, but yet they have very little understanding of themselves. Yes, yeah, they have none at all. In fact, all of that is, is even areas of it is called routines. At the top, they call it routines. They instill into us routines, and we go through repertoires and, and routines of what we're downloaded with. And so that's what you hear in conversations. You'll hear routines and repertoires. And uh, you'll see them go through the motions of the routines even. And, and so it kept me an old family gathering and the same crew every year. And they go back. Do you remember when you were a son, a little boy son? And, and this happened when you were a baby and yada, yada, yada. How many years, many times year after you can listen to that kind of stuff without going nuts? But, but you see, that's a routine. And they go through a repertoire. And everybody giggles at the right time, at the right spot, because they all know it off by heart. And we're comfortable with the familiar. So the familiar is always pushed to us. Uh, even the idea of what a Canadian is, is completely created and has been created by the intelligence services given to the marketing companies and promulgated to us and we accept it without question. Being a, a truth seeker is a, is a constant battle to try to hold on to rea reality as I've come to know it and not fall back into that American dream, that sleeping state, yes. like everybody else. Yes, it is. It's a lonely road because it, 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 you'll sacrifice a lot of things on the way. Uh, but by the same token, uh, the more you wake up, you go beyond the stage where you, you simply can't go back and, and listen to people parroting what they've been downloaded with. You can't go back. There's no, you, you eventually don't have the patience even to put up with it. Yep. Okay, well, thanks for calling in. Hey, okay. I'll be back after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Alan walked back, cutting through the matrix. And just before I go on to the next caller, I caught a, a little piece on the radio today from the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Uh, 
talking about a new project to do with the internet, and it was to do with uh, uh, a novel, a bunch of novels. Well, I think it was, it was Anna Green Gables, actually, it was called. Uh, well known in Canada because the CBC keeps pushing these old, old dramas that are awfully boring to me. Maybe because I'm a fellow, it was meant really for women and little girls. And uh, it's called Anne's Diaries. And the whole, the whole push of this thing is that the, the, the OPP, that's the Ontario Provincial Police, they covered the whole of Ontario, uh, are going into partnership with some company uh, to put out scanners for IDing children wanting to go into this site. And they want to encourage them to go into this, this site. Uh, for them to get fingerprinted and so on. So all, obviously the OPP is going to be in business with a, a private corporation to put, to put these ideas into you know, the actual ID scanners, like thumbprints and so on, to these particular children that want to join the site. And I've no doubt they'll be promoted at the children themselves, so they nag their parents to get these scanners and all the rest of it. In other words, the whole project is to get them into getting used to IDing themselves on the Internet for safety, in case there's predators out there, you see. This is, this is the scam behind it. But really, it's, it's bypassing the parents and going for an even earlier age to get them used to giving all their, their, their ID, all their information out there to them, to the authorities. That's what it's all about. That really is what it's all about. And this, this thing is only one, one particular instance of this kind of thing happening. But the OPP, does it have any business? Does it really have any business in doing this kind of thing with a private company and, and tow with it, going into the, the children? And, and they're encouraging the children to put their own diaries up on this site, all their personal information, their dreams, fantasies, whatever, a whole personality profile on up-and-coming, very young people. That's what they're promoting. We know where it's all going, don't we? But it's all done under peace and safety, peace and safety. And the parents, no doubt, who have no time for their parents, will say, that's nice to you, I'll get you whatever you want, just for some peace and quiet, because they're not involved with their children, they can't think anymore. And they also have been brainwashed and they've been taken care of. Perpetual. Socialism was defined a long time ago as perpetual childhood. And we have adults, very adult, age-wise, children out there now who live in a fantasy land promoted through marketing and propaganda into their heads. It's rather sad to see all happening. Now we've got uh, Jeff from Texas. Are you there, Jeff? Yeah, hi, Alan. Sorry to make you switch gears. That's a very uh, uh, heart-wrenching story. I'm just as disgusted by all this chipping uh, as you are. I mean, I know about uh, Digital Angel and, and uh, all these things that are being funded by companies like IBM. Yeah. Uh, it's just disgusting. Yeah. Uh, but I want to follow up. I called in Wednesday, and uh, I'd like to just talk about uh, what you alleged last Wednesday. It's not religion, is it? Well, no, it's about history. Uh, no, it's about religion. Yeah, no, but I'd, I'd like okay, you to okay, well, take the next answer caller. a very take the next caller. question and not browbeat me. Let's take the next caller. I will not talk about your religion under any guise, any guise, any con game, any trick. I won't do it. So we'll go on to Lucas from Seattle. Hello? Hello, Lucas. Hi, Alan. Uh, nice to be on the 
fine show. Uh, I guess, uh, let me see, what was I going to ask you about? Oh, yes, um, I would like to get your views on the importance of integrity and uh, transparency when it comes to uh, gurus and teachers in the 9-11 truth movement. It seems that lately you've come to loggerheads with a few of them and they've been kind of exposed. I'd like to get your views on that, and then we'll move on to the next question. Well, you're talking about the New Age, uh, the ones that are promoted at the top. Uh, specifically, uh, Michael Ferrion. Uh-huh. Well, all I know is, I mean, I've, I've had contact before with certain people, put it that way, a long time ago, asked me if I'd get on board, you know who turned rather nasty when I wouldn't get on board. I said I would not fool the people. Is that enough for you for, for you there? Okay. And, um, and certain people have gone in business with the show that I was on. And uh, I think one of the stipulations was, was once, the, once the deals were signed, uh, then the stipulation was to get me off. Uh, so in other words, there is an agenda there. With between a few people, yeah. Okay, um, who are heavily funded? That. I'm sure um, they're heavily funded, and uh, and one of them, one of these particular guys, did email me five times in one night, giving me nasty emails because I, I told him I would not fool the people. I won't mention his name, but everybody knows it. And um, and uh, I told them who their bosses were. That was I wasn't stupid, and I've read the history of it, so I understand it very well. And. Uh, uh, I wouldn't go along with it. So I got really nasty emails, and this particular one said uh, that he'd phone around all the big radio shows and tell them not to have me on. Okay. Uh, still on? Hello? Yeah. Was there another question there? Uh, I think he answered my question on that. I had another question, Alan. Uh -huh. Hello? Yes. Uh, yes, uh, I would like to know why it is you can't seem to answer any questions when it comes to your stance on Jesus being a mythical fact figure. Because I could spend uh, about two months giving you history lessons, uh, including the exoteric, in long before uh, the Christian version. I could give you the esoteric and the esoteric, but I, I won't do it. All well, you don't seem to have any proof. I mean, that's what it, what it comes down to is you can't prove anything. Well, belief. That's why you don't want to talk and, about belief it. Belief and faith balls down. It's, it's not about it's faith. It's about the historical record. Let me speak here. And that's what Jeff was talking about before you cut him off. Belief. No, no. That guy's been bugging me for a few weeks here with emails and everything. I know he's a persistent fellow. Well, look, I, I told him I don't need, uh, and he should be quite happy with that. Uh, him to force me to go along with his belief. I don't think he's forcing you. He's just asking you where the proof is, and that's a uh, He has a read botanist or, or any other proof. authors, I'm sure, that go into all the pre-Christian uh, sons of God and their virgin mothers. Yeah, but that's already been debunked by various people. J.P. Holding, tectonics.org. Oh, I know, I know. He's debunked every one of these the, the theories by the car and all these other theories. Cut him off, will you? Cut him off. Yeah. Okay, enough of these characters with their uh, attacks here because it's just a waste of time and they, they can't even get to the point. I mean, the point is, 
it's a torrent society. Why are they so eager to make you believe what they, what they want to believe? Huh? I mean, faith is something you can't verify one way or another anyway. That's why it comes down to faith and belief. Otherwise, it's fact. So let's go on. Now we've got Alex from Toronto. Are you there, Alex? Hi, Alan. Yes. Alan, you know, I'm calling from Canada. I was born and raised in Canada. And I always wonder why these Americans that came onto your show, that listened to the facts you had to disclose to them, always kept bringing up Jesus. It didn't make any sense to me. Uh-huh. Because once you explained uh, the sons of God and once you got into the histories of that, it all made sense. Yeah. But they still had this, you know, this, they had like a serious indoctrination. <laughs> well, in the U.S. The they US, do. They're, like, they're nuts when it comes to religion. We're well, very different here in Canada. A heavier dose of it than yeah. any other people on purpose. Yeah. Uh, Benjamin Franklin wrote about it because he brought Wellesley over. Uh, Franklin himself says in his own writings, he says, I didn't believe in it, he says, but I I built him a church that that anyone could speak it, a Muslim, a Jew, anyone, he didn't care. He liked liked the teachings of Wellesley because because, um, he, he said he could captivate and hypnotize, basically not hypnotize, but mesmerize an audience. And he said... Um, and, and sway their emotions so much that to tears that he could uh, manipulate them. That's what fascinated Franklin about it. And they realized early on uh, that they, they could create what they called an obedient and orderly society mm. with uh, using religion. It's amazing. Like yeah. I, sometimes I just tune into like you know you watch the TV and you t- you tune into like some religious shows and stuff like that and you're just like wow it is yeah. so it, it is so pervasive in the culture especially in America. Yeah. Here too, but not to that extent. Yeah, yeah, it's just crazy. It's like, and they have all the terminology uh, as long as, and that's why presidents use it. You know, presidents in the skull and bones mm-hmm. society can say, "I'm born again," and they immediately think he's talking about Christianity. Yeah, uh, or they'll say, "Amen." Or hallelujah. And yeah. that's what it, so you just use terminology. It's crazy. That, that, and then you that, find that, out what that really means. Yeah, and these, this terminology, are, these, these are trigger words. Yeah. And these trigger words uh, blind them to who is actually saying it. It's amazing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's just, it's just I don't know, it's just uh, incredible. You know, I want to make a comment. You were talking about Maurice Strong. Yeah. And you were talking about how he worked for Canada, uh, Toronto Hy- or Canada Hydro. Yeah, and uh, Ontario Hydro, I guess, and um, how he w- installed um, these emergency generators. Yeah, he put the generators. They're building laws and the whole project for that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know what's funny? Do you know? Do I live in Toronto. You know where I live? I live in the old Rochdale. Are you familiar with Rochdale? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. They converted Rochdale to Toronto housing, mm-hmm. and it, and and the people that live here, half of them are on disability or on. Um, subsidized rent, the others are market rent. But usually it's just uh, working class people or uh, people uh, on disability or new immigrants or something like that, you know, not the most um, upperly mobile people live in this building. Yeah. But what they did two weeks, just last week, they installed an emergency generator on the 16th floor, this huge, huge generator, emergency generator. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out why they did that. Uh Like, because... You were talking about, like, you know, like, they install these generators for, like, um, uh, banks and financial institutions to continue on as the rolling right. brownouts were to continue? Uh-huh. Why'd they do it for us? <laughs> well, I guess they've got a purpose for you, Dad. Maybe it's, it's cleaning up the debris <laughs> after they've created chaos. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> we got this uh, emergency generator, and it's like we haven't had any problems with electricity. 
Yeah, not, not yet. Not yet. No. <laughs> All of a sudden, they've you know they put this huge and it was a big project. They put they had this massive crane out there because we're on the 16th. This is 16th to 18th story building, and they had this huge crane to put this huge massive generator on top. I'm thinking, why are they doing this? Yes. And I was like, very bizarre. There's an emergency. Well, that, well, obviously it's for a reason because they predict that they're going to use it, right? They're going to use it in a gradual takedown. They don't want mass riots happening immediately. Uh-huh. They want to, to gradually work up to the mass riots when they uh-huh. cut the food back and the water and everything oh, else man. Over, over the next 10, 15 years. Yeah, it's just, yeah, every, every now and you see, say something that really hits home. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, I mean, like that real, like, I mean, literally in this case. Yeah, I mean, pulling a guy like Strong from the United Nations over to Ontario mm-hmm. was an important deal, obviously. That was Bob Ray that brought him in. Yeah. Oh, and and uh, uh, I mean, he, he got right to work, and obviously he didn't make that plan up just like that. It had to be done probably at the United Nations or the Rockefeller Foundation years before, uh-huh. and he got to work implementing it. And once it was all done and in the process for privatization, uh, he, off, he, off he went again back to the United Nations. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Just big moves afoot, you see. Mm-hmm. Big moves afoot. Yeah. Okay. Okay, thanks, Alan. Thanks for calling. Now we've got Tracy from Texas. Are you there, Tracy? Hello, Tracy. Well, wonderful. And uh, I guess I've been listening to you for a couple of months, and some uh, whenever I can, I'm listening to you. I just uh, it really hits home the things you say. You know, I know that I know inside of me that this is this is the truth. So I have uh, actually. I want to talk a little bit about uh, education, and I have um, I have an eight-year-old son, and he came home today, and he was he goes to a private school, and he's telling me about a social studies test where they're on the test, it's uh, or he's learned that he's not supposed to throw things, uh, you know, don't litter, you have to stay on the trails when you're in the park, you can't pick the flowers, and I thought, oh boy, this is this is part of the propaganda that's seeped into the school that he's going to. And he also got home today, and ironically, you were talking about the IDs. He said, I've got my own ID now. And I said, and he showed it to me, and it was something that the photography company uh, gave all of the children, you know, their little missing children's ID. Oh, yeah. And, you know, of course, I had to talk with him about uh, fingerprinting, and you never let anybody do that. But here's the bottom line question. He is he is on his way out of that private school and any type of uh, – schooling because I want to homeschool him. But, you know, at this point, I just woke up in February, and I can't even believe all the stuff, you know, that I've learned. And and I think, who, uh, where could I go to even find some information to uh, uh, accurate information if I'm going to educate my son? Yeah, I know. With, a, with regards to history or, uh, I mean, uh, well, uh, particularly with regards to history or government or, you know, I was just wondering if you had any recommendations along that line. Well, it, it's important. To, you see, the, the, the trouble is, unless you get very old books, I mean, after 1920, pretty well all the history uh, was completely uh, rewritten. So before 1920. Uh, before 1920. So now you used to discover the old bookstores that did not have the internet hookups, so they often had little gems of books uh, that uh, no one had. See, if it's on the internet, they, they know what they're worth, and they'll sell them to someone else across the planet. Right, right. But I went to junk stores and everything and got my hands on these kind of books and had the facts there, 
uh, and when they were discussing the type of society they were going to create for the future, and books on sociology, especially by some of the big players, uh, they're very important because these are the guys who they brought over, uh, as I say, with, for instance, the Frankfurt uh, School, where the education system came from, and the Frankfurt School for Culture Creation was funded by the CIA and the MI6 in Britain, and their job was to work with the institutions like Ford Carnegie right, to merge right. communism and capitalism for a new type of future, which they called the Third Way after Plato, and that's the play on the Third Wave as well that Tother used. So the culture we're, we're coming into is one where we have fascism at the top for a small elite uh, gov governing over to a massive bureaucracy, an enforcement uh, system, a communistic type society. That's the one they want to bring in. So they used all the sciences, including Marxism, uh, uh, combined with sociology, behaviorism, the big players, Skinner and so on, uh, to create this new society they're bringing us through with uh, infantile uh, adults. Oh, it's plain as the nose on my face now. Now it is. Yeah. And uh, I don't, you know, I'm in such a dilemma on how to raise him or what, you know, yeah. where, where do I go with this? Uh, you have to look at the homeschooling sites. There are some out there. Be back with more after these messages. Okay. Of the, the writings of 
the first people who set up UNESCO at the United Nations and what their purpose is, and they'll tell you right in it what their purpose is, is, is to give a, a global culture with the same standardized indoctrination given to every child across the planet. Uh, it's a step-by-step process, hard for most people to understand or believe uh, that the world is planned in centuries. And if you read some of the books by the great institutions, they admit they're the only ones who can plan a world future and work intergenerationally by bringing in new employees into those institutions who follow the mandates of the institutions. Men come in, work their whole lives, and retire as new ones come in. And they can, they can work out a plan over one, two, three hundred years and make it actually work. That's how it's done. It's not a little club that meets together uh, and uh, throws some coins in the box for, to keep themselves going and renting a hall. These are... These are incredibly wealthy foundations and institutions. That's how it's done. The same with the, the, the big granddaddy of them all, which is the Royal Institute for International Affairs. is interlocked with every great foundation that runs the agenda for the future and gave you your present as well. Well, from Hamish and myself up in a snowy Ontario, Canada, it's good night. And may your God or your gods with you.